Church, this is Pastor Zach. I hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving. You ate all the food you wanted. You ate all the desserts that you wanted. Listen, I'm excited for our speaker today. I've known him for nearly 15 years. In fact, he's been my best friend since college. Not only is he my best friend, but he's now my brother-in-law. So Multiply Church, can we give it up for Pastor Keith DeMint? Good morning, good morning, Multiply Lake Norman. How are you this morning? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, as Pastor Zach mentioned, yes, I am his brother-in-law. Yes, we married sisters on the front row right here. The beautiful Pruitt girls who now have different last names. And uh, so Pastor Zach and I have a long history we met as freshmen in college. And so before I get to the story about that, I'm actually a pastor myself. So we went to Bible college together. I'm a pastor in New York in the Hudson Valley. I know we got some New Yorkers in the house this morning. I know much about that because a lot of them, fun fact, so Nicole and Rachel, I was their youth pastor in New York, right? So, and there's a lot of connections here, but... Um, Yes, so I'm a pastor. I'm the executive pastor at the Mission Church in the Hudson Valley. We're, we're about an hour north of New York City. That's where we live. But my wife is from North Carolina, Hickory, North Carolina. Yes. So we got the southern blood with my kids. I have a three-year-old son and a seven-year-old girl, and um, they're, they're here today. And uh, I just, when I walk into this place, I feel blessed because uh, Pastor Zach brought me here before uh, this week while the, the school was going on and just to see the transformation of this just this place in this church you guys are a blessed church pastor zach is anointed and uh, your worship team is anointed and you're just a blessed church and so it's just an honor to be here today but uh, pastor zach and i met as freshmen actually it was the second day of school and uh zach walked down the hallway he yelled does anyone want to play football and in our dorm room, I stuck my head out and I was like, yes, of course I want to play football. And so there was about 20 of us who wanted to play football. So we walked out to the football field. And uh, if you know Pastor Zach, you know Pastor Zach's going to be the quarterback, right? So of course he was the quarterback. And I'm this guy, I'm 5'5", five five, you know, I'm short. I don't look like I'm a, a good football player. And so I was picked, I was on his team and we're playing football and he wasn't throwing me the ball. He never passed me the ball. Until this one play, we were close to the end zone, and uh, Pastor Zach hiked the ball. He had the ball. He was running around. I was in the end zone. He zipped the ball between two defenders. I caught the ball, and then I got planted into the ground. It was, it was two-hand touch, but the guy lifted me up and planted me on the ground. But guess what? I held on to that ball, right? Amen? Okay, I got that. That was a touchdown. Zach runs up to me. First, he says, what's your name? And I'm on the ground like, uh, my name's Keith. And he gets me, he lifts me back up. He helps me get back up. And from that moment on, we've been best friends for almost 15 years. Best friends, married sisters, but Zach helped me get back up. And that's the title of today's message. Get back up. Because you're going to face adversity in life. You're going to get knocked down in life. And we're going to be studying a passage in Acts chapter 13 about Paul. He's on his missionary journey. And he gets back up after he was stoned. And we're going to talk about how 
he gets back up and how to apply the Bible to our lives. How many believe we read the Bible so that we can apply it to our lives? Amen? The Bible is not just some words on a page, not some historical book, but it's the living, breathing word of God that we read, that we apply to our lives, and we let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Amen? Amen. Acts chapter 13 Verse 50. I need you guys to be alive this morning. Can you do that? I watched Pastor Zach on the stage run around, and he's, you know, animated and crazy. And I hear you guys in the background. So just because there's a different speaker this morning doesn't mean that's an excuse for you to be quiet. Got it? So when I say amen, you can say amen. I mean, this is a southern church, and what I hear about southern churches is you're, you're alive and well. Amen? Teach something to this New Yorker this morning, okay? Acts chapter 13, verse 50. And it reads, But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. But they shook the dust off their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were, were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. How many need to be filled with joy and the Holy Spirit? doesn't matter what your circumstances in life are. doesn't matter what you're walking through right now. When you have the joy of the Holy Spirit in your lives, you can shake off all of the bad vibes. You can shake off all the bad attitudes about people around you. You can shake off everything going on because you have the joy of the Lord in your heart. There's a certain joy, a certain security knowing that the Holy Spirit is in you that supersedes any circumstance that you're walking through. Amen? It's okay to let things roll off your back. It's okay to face adversity and let it roll off your back because you know the joy of the Lord is in your heart. Paul was chased out of the city. We live in such a culture today that everyone gets offended by everything, and it's exhausting. It's exhausting watching my words not to offend something. It's exhausting not to feel offended by everything. It's exhausting, and it's okay to shake it off. It's okay, right? The Taylor Swift talk. Shake, shake, shake it off, right? It's okay to shake the dust off your feet and move forward with the joy of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Live your life according to the gospel. Control your own actions and shrug your shoulders at others who are acting foolish. We see a certain attitude in living in God's will when you read about Paul's missionary expedition. The attitude of joy of the Holy Spirit, even in the midst of people who do not like you. Paul had no problem with people not accept, accepting him. That's hard for us today. We want everyone to accept us, especially in the social media age. We want everyone to accept us, like our posts, agree with our opinions. How many don't like it when someone doesn't agree with your opinion? There's about three of you. Okay. We want people to agree with our opinions. Paul had no, no problem when people did not like him or accept him. The attitude of optimism, knowing that with every great opportunity, the reality, there is a great opposition. That's our driving point today. How do we respond to great opposition and recognize of the great opportunities that we have? In 1 Corinthians 16.9, Paul writes, for a great door of effective work is opened unto me, and there are many in opposition. Great opportunity means great opposition. As we study Acts 14, it brings us to a story about Paul and Barnabas witnessing in a city named Lystra. And in verse 8, it reads, 
Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looked intently at him, and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw that Paul, what had Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer a sacrifice to the crowds. This is a great case study of misplaced worship. What do I mean? Paul, through the Holy Spirit, heals a crippled man. It was a miracle. The Lyconians see this miracle and immediately fused their belief system with Paul's actions. What do I mean? They held the, myth, the Greek mythology as their religion. We see the evidence with, Zeus, with the Zeus temple at the city gates, with the priest of the Zeus temple at the city gates. They praised gods, the Greek gods that had no power. They were made up. They were myth, mythical made-up beings. But suddenly, after hearing what Paul was preaching, in verse 9 it said he listened to Paul speaking, which means the lame man heard the gospel. He heard what Paul was preaching, which means all of the Lyconians heard the gospel. They were listening, and they heard the gospel of truth of Jesus, and yet they saw the miracle, and they immediately combined their belief system with what Paul was preaching instead of replacing it with the gospel. So we see that in verse 11, and when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men, Barnabas they called Zeus Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer a sacrifice with the crowds. Have you ever heard of the popular saying, you are what you eat? It's kind of gross when you think about it. How many of you, coming off of Thanksgiving, if I was what I ate, I'd look like a big old pumpkin pie, right? It's gross, but... In the same way it is with our spiritual lives, you are what you worship. Your spiritual life will reflect what you worship. And sometimes we misplace our worship with other things and superimpose them on top of the gospel. So instead of worshiping Jesus, having the gospel replace our worship, we superimpose our worship systems together. We combine what we worship with the gospel and we get confused. What are some examples of this? One example I can think of is God and country. Nationalism is not bad. It's good to be a proud American. I am a proud American. It's bad when country comes before God. When you start loving your country, when you start loving the United States of America before God, you have misplaced worship. That's why we worship God first, then pray for our country second. Amen? When we worship our country and we're not careful, we start worshiping a political party before God. And we confuse God's will with our preference, with our desires. That's misplaced worship. When you trust God, when you worship God, you understand his will and you pray for our country. When you worship the country first, then you get all angry. When your politician isn't elected, you get all angry because you don't know what God's doing in this country. Worship God, understand he has a plan and a purpose, and you play a part in that plan and purpose, 
and you put him first? What are the things that we worship before God and we fuse our worship systems together? Well, Christmas is coming up, and I can think of we probably worship the mall and Amazon. I mean, who loves Amazon? I love the two-day free shipping. Come on. Target, ladies. Yeah, I winked at my wife right there. Target, right? Things. We pray for God to bless us with things and stuff. And those are good things. God does bless us. But imposing the blessing of God with material possessions over who God is is misplaced worship. When we worship stuff over God, then that reflects an attitude. So when we say, God, why can't I afford this? God, why does my neighbor get that, but I don't get that? When we start comparing our lifestyle to others' lifestyles and their material possessions, we are worshiping material things over God. That's misplaced worship, and it reflects a confused faith. What other things do we worship? Our society is known for worshiping ourselves over everything. We live in a me-first society. I'm sorry to break it to you, but the world does not revolve around you. If any of you have kids, you understand that that's true. I mean, I was woken up at 3 a.m. this morning by my three-year-old and understood that the world does not revolve around me sleeping. The world does not revolve around you. You worship yourself. We worship ourselves. Our feelings are everything within our society and culture now. Our society has a problem worshiping our feelings, our truth, and replacing it with God's truth. Then once we feel a certain way, we can easily find scripture out of context to justify it. Or we find a place of worship that affirms our feelings and not God's truth. Do you know how dangerous that is? You can feel a certain way, type it into Google, find a place that affirms that feeling, and then be justified in it. That's why it's so important to read scripture, understand the truth, apply it to your lives, and not read a watered-down gospel, amen? It creates weak, weak faith. For example, God created man and woman. This is a biblical principle and a scientific fact. Yet feelings become a belief system and then they combine with the gospel and you get a whole confused set of churches and denominations who do not speak truth in love. It's a confused worship system. It's a combined worship system. It's a watered-down gospel. Great opportunity means there's great opposition. We live in a spiritually ripe society, but a deep spiritual work force is at work. Christians need to be on guard. And guess what? You are equipped with the Holy Spirit to do work, to do battle, to do battle against the spiritual forces. You are made and created exactly the way you are on purpose for God. You ever heard the saying, the best defense is a good offense? Christians need to be on the offense because that's our best defense. You see the way our society is going. You see how the watered-down gospel is presented in many different ways. You see how uh, culture is going in the way of confusing people. Well, the best defense is a good offense. That means Christians need to speak up. You need to speak truth and love. You need to be equipped with the Holy Spirit. You have the power within you to change the world. You want to see a revival in this area, in this church, in Lake Norman? You want to see a revival in Charlotte? It starts with a revival in your heart. It starts with a revival with you. 
You ever heard the, the Michael Jackson song, Man in the Mirror? I'm starting with the man in the mirror. <laughs> I'm asking him to make a change, right? I don't sing, but you get the idea. It starts with you. You want to see a change in the culture and society? You want to see a change in your neighborhood, in your community? It starts with the revival in your own heart. It starts with knowing who Jesus is, his truth, his word, applying it to your life and seeking him with all of your heart. And you'll see a change in your life. You'll see a change in your family's life. You'll see a change in our community because God has equipped you for that change. You're the catalyst of change that God wants to use in this community. You can't just wait for the church to do it. You can't wait for a pastor to do it. You can't just wait for a worship team to bring you into a place where you can worship God. It starts with your heart and your personal life, and that's where change happens. Amen? Ephesians 6.12, for the struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Spiritual battle requires each and every one of you to have a firm foundation of faith. When you combine the gospel with another belief system, you have shaky faith. You don't have a firm foundation. You have shaky faith. And when you face trials and tribulations with shaky faith, you quickly lose the truth of God. You quickly lose your faith. And we find that in verse 14 as we continue on our story with Paul. And it reads, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In the past generations, he allowed the nations to walk in their own ways, Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with good food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering a sacrifice to them. So the Lyconians wanted to offer a sacrifice to Paul because they believed that he was like the Greek gods. They wanted to combine their belief system with the gospel and offer a sacrifice to Paul. They believed what they saw and they did not hear the words of the gospel and apply it to their lives. They had no foundation of faith. They were not listening to the gospel and converting their lives. They were just watching the miracle and combining their belief system and giving the credit to Paul and Barnabas. It reminds me of a passage in Luke chapter 6 about hearing the word of God and applying it to your lives for a firm foundation of faith. And it reads, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation of rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words but does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. It's important to understand you must hear the word, read the word, and put it into practice and have a firm foundation in Jesus Christ and in truth. The Lyconians heard the gospel, 
but they did not put into practice the gospel in their lives. Their foundation was weak. We as Christians need a firm foundation of faith, which means putting into practice what we read in Scripture, what we hear in studying God's word, praying to him and worshiping him over anything else. Paul was praised for God's miracle. This is a leadership principle. So great opportunity means there's great opposition. So Paul could have taken credit for the miracle. He could have been the hero. He could have been literally the God. The Laconians were calling him a God. He could have taken the God status. Have you ever taken credit for things that God has done in your life? For your business success, for your career success, for the health that you have, your possessions? It's important that we quickly deny everything that we think we did and point it to Christ. We need to quickly deny that the blessings, the skills, the talent, the favor that we have is anything that we did, but quickly point it to directly to the grace and mercy of God. Good leaders give others credit. Godly leaders recognize it's only by the grace of God that you're even in that position. Paul was a godly leader. He ran out to the Lyconians before they could sacrifice anything to him. And he said, don't sacrifice anything to me. I didn't do this. And then the Lyconians, with the weak faith that they had, immediately turned on him. They immediately turned on Paul. And in verse 19 it reads, But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. Having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. Stoned Paul. That means they set Paul up, then they took stones, and they threw stones at him until they thought he was dead. Do you know how brutal that is? Has anyone played baseball before and being hit by a ball? Right when you're standing in the batter's box, and the pitcher throws it and it hits you in the ribs, and you're like, oh, the wind's knocked out of you. That hurts. That's why a lot of baseball players aren't successful because they're afraid to get into the batter's box because that ball, that hard ball hurts when it hits you. Paul was stoned to death, meaning they put him in a place and they threw stones at him until they thought he was dead. How quickly things changed. They were calling him a god a few moments earlier, then they were immediately convinced he wasn't a god and then stoned him. And in verse 20, but the disciples gathered about him. He got up and went back into the city. He got up and went back in the city. Did you hear me? He got back up and went back into the city. First of all, that's really stupid. I mean, if I was Paul's friend, I would say, Paul, you are stupid. You get back up and you run away. You flee. You go somewhere else. He gets back up and walks into the city to the people who just stoned him to death. It wasn't a slow death. It wasn't a slow beating. It wasn't a slap on the wrist. It was a stoning which means I picked up stones and threw them at his head, at his body, until he was on the ground, and then they threw more stones at him, until they thought he was dead. 
They hated him. And he got back up and walked back into the city. Now, what drove him to this madness to get back up and go back into the city? Nothing else but the Holy Spirit and the people around him. We must get back up when life throws you stones. I think of all the great Rocky movies. When Rocky gets hit and he's knocked over on the ground. I almost knocked myself over. He gets hit in the face and he falls on the ground, right? And the, the music, dun da da 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 dun. Come on, sing it with me. Dun da da dun da da dun da da dun da 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 da. Come on, da 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 da. Dun dun da 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 da. I'm gonna do the whole thing. Da 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 da. Come on, right? The great Rocky movies, Rocky is hit by all these punches, a flurry of punches. He gets knocked over. He looks in his corner. He's like crying. He can barely see out of his eyes, but he gets back up, right? He gets back up, and he starts swinging. He starts punching. He wins the boxing matches because that's what the boxing matches do in the Rocky movies. He gets back up, and he wins. Guess what? We are stoned. We are hit by so many punches in so many different ways by life. The next time a stone hits you and knocks you down, get back up. Some of you are facing a financial crisis that has knocked you over. Get back up and trust God. Some of you are in unhealthy relationships, and you need to be reminded that God wants you to be in healthy relationships. Get back up. Some of you are in an unhealthy working environment, and every single day you have to wake up and convince yourself to go back into that working environment. Get back up. Clothe yourself with the Holy Spirit and know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Some of you are facing physical health problems. Well, guess what? We serve a miracle working God who will help you through it. Miracles happen every single day. So when you trust God, you can get back up from your physical things that's going on. Some of you are parenting children who are difficult. Can I get an amen? You have to struggle every single day to parent your child. Get back up. You have to sing the Rocky song to yourself every single day. That's okay. The glory and the power of the Holy Spirit will equip you for every battle that you face. But you have to remind yourself to get back up. It's okay to pep talk yourself. It's okay to read scripture and say, I can do this. I can do this. God is with me. God goes before me. Amen. God equips me. God has created me for a purpose. God has equipped me for the day that I am living in right now. God will give me the word, the boldness, the courage to face whatever I'm going through. God will equip me to have the mindset of victory. Sometimes it starts in the mind. Some of us are facing mental health problems where it starts in the mind. We have to put the mind of Christ on. Amen? Put the mind of Christ on. Have a perspective of righteousness and know that God is there for you each and every day. The stones of life, the punches of life knock us down, but it's important not to give up, but to get back up every time you're knocked over. I find it worthy to be noted that when Paul was stoned, the disciples gathered around him and they helped him back up. Which means the Holy Spirit, yes, was with him, 
The Holy Spirit, yes, protected him and raised him back up, but he had a family of close friends to help him back up. It's important not to do life alone. Church is important. You are here today for a reason. If it's your first time here, know that this church will help you get back up when you walk through life in the trials of life. If it's not your first time here, you know there is a church body, a group of people who are cheering for you. That's what the church community is for. People to surround yourself with that will help you get back up. How many know there's a testimony in here of struggles that you have gone through, but the church, your friends, the body of Christ has been with you. That's why we celebrate and that's why we mourn together. Because the church, the body of Christ is here to lift you back up when you fall down. So when you need to get back up, run to the altars first. Run to the church first. Tell people your problems and let them know you need help. You need them. God provides everything you need through his community, through his word, through the Holy Spirit. If you are alone through your struggles, you're doing life wrong. Can I get an amen? Don't go through life getting knocked down and relying on your own strength to do everything. Rely on God to find a community of people who love you, who will help you get back up. Amen? What's the word for today? Get back up. Get back up. Can we stand this morning?